Welcome, Creative Blocks, with me, Jeremy Beam. I'm your host. Every week we have a guest on. We break down Creative Blocks that may might have as an artist, and we play with Legos. This week I have Byron Burton, pre-med student turned screenwriter. <laughs> uh, what, yeah, screenplay writer. Pre-pharmacy, into pharmacy school, leave after a day. You got into pharmacy. Yeah, okay, I thought you were doing pre-med. They had the white coat printed yeah. and everything. <laughs> and then you were like... I didn't even collect it. Deuces. I was like, I'm, I'm out. Going to Hollywood. Nice. Well, Byron, thank you. Yeah, thanks this for having is, me. This uh, is technically episode two, but it'll probably post as episode one. I haven't posted either yet, so first one was kind of a trial run, but... We'll jump into it on this one, man. Dumpster fire or no? Yeah, no, it went well. Okay, good. Um, okay. Yeah, but different camera angle. I like this We've camera. Got, we're in a new studio. We got the backdrop. I like it. We got the table set up, so it's going good, man. Thank you for coming on. There's a good energy. Yeah. Here. So we were talking right before the uh, show, like before we started recording. You never really played with Legos. No, I got like an, an accessory <clears throat> kit from this kid named Jonathan Duff. It's like a sixth grade present. Yeah. And. Uh, I didn't have a main kit to go with and it, that was so it. I never opened it. Yeah, sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> it went to Goodwill shortly. I after. don't know. I think I just kept it and then just you know didn't open it. Yeah. Well, man. Well, welcome. We've got a shit ton of Legos here. I actually had the family mail me all my childhood Legos in a big garbage bag from Kentucky. So this is it. <laughs> so I mean, what we got here? We've got your big bricks. Basic blocks of the Legos, some little shit in those bins. Where are the Chris Pretts? Those are all right people. Here? Yeah, okay. those are all just full of Lego guys, man. You nice. gotta. It's icing on the cake. Is that we've what got, it's called? Yeah, okay. we've got land. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much, just jump into it, man. We're gonna keep playing, and at the end of this, I might, you know, we'll see what you built, see what I'm you came start up with. Start with some Round County Green. This yeah. Is... So you moved to LA from Kentucky. Indeed, I that's did. where I actually met you in college. <laughs> yeah, that was Surpre- it's a wonderful period. Yeah, we both were uh, pre-med, and now we both are in Hollywood with not medical <laughs> and pharmaceutical jobs. Yeah. Chasing our uh, dreams. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah, it does. So you actually, uh, you're screenwriting now, right? Yes, I'm screenwriter, songwriter, repped at Zero Gravity Management. But nice. my first credit was a song. It was? Yeah. And what did, did it get? What did that go to? That was for X-Men Apocalypse in 2016. Michael Fassbender ended up singing it for around 12 seconds. It was supposed to be in the movie three minutes. That's, yeah. that's Hollywood. But it was fun. Yeah, it was a great credit. It was fun to uh, to see what he did with it. So you also, I remember, didn't you write the backstory for one of the X-Men movies when you first came out? Well, this was all tied together. Oh, so it was? Okay, okay. Magneto was supposed to have had this Polish song that his mother sang to him, and we had to discuss, like, you know... What would be going on, you know, pre-industrial era, like they're working in the fields. And so we had a lot of different lyrics of how, you know, it would relate to their life back home before the Holocaust. And so that's kind of... And then we did a little bit more with it that didn't make in the film. But yeah, it was really fun to to dig in that. 
That's nice because you did that like pretty much right when you came out to L.A. Before. Right? Oh, before. before. Yeah, so I was that's still what, in Kentucky. Gotcha. So that's what inspired you to really come out. Yeah, I feel like you're doing much better with these. Man, that's I what am. I was about to say. It's like clearly <laughs> I, I have uh, played with Legos as a child, and here you are. <laughs> I'm starting with We've this laid one mud piece, monster. Man. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm doing okay. Yeah. Cool. Let me see. So um, out here in L.A., I mean, you know, when we were like your pre-pharmacy, you had to uh, maintain a pretty uh, strict study habits. Yeah, too strict. Yeah, too strict just to maintain a C. (laughs) And I was just I I got out of undergrad with no C's. That was just to get by. Um, I wish I could say the same. But hey, zoology, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Eisenhower, sweet man. Good guy. Um, I didn't you, like that class. I didn't either. No. I mean, the lecture was enjoyable, but the lab just tired me out. Yeah, it did. You can only dissect so many animals <laughs> yeah. before you're ready to call it a day. So, like, do you apply... What I was going to ask, though, is do you apply any of the uh, social media strategies? Or not social media, but the pre-pharmacy strategies you picked up in undergrad into your screenwriting today? Because... I don't know if it's the same for you, but with comedians, there's a lot of laziness to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've It seen doesn't that. take much to write, but it takes a lot to get started writing. Sure. So I don't know if you came out here and are applying any of those. Just when it comes to, like, the science behind certain plot points or characters and so forth. Yeah. So in that <clears> way. But not necessarily, I don't know, study habits. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I've so, got a horse in a lifeboat. You're coming along, man. I'm making some like water world contraption. I went with the blue. Have you ever plate. met Kevin Costner? No, I have. I can't say I've met Kevin Costner. You about to name drop it? You oh, have oh, met oh, Kevin? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, and he's like, yeah. The other day when I was <laughs> grabbing lunch <laughs> with Kevin Costner. No, we're not there yet. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of like movie ideas personally, but my struggle. So this is creative blocks. So one of my bl- creative blocks when it comes to even thinking about writing a screenplay is actually putting the idea to paper. Sure. So what's like how? What's your process? So you come up with like you get a movie idea in your head. Do you keep it at an idea for a while, or do you start immediately flushing it out? On depends on how much. I think it has legs. Like, there's the passion ideas that you get that you're really excited about, but then you're like, who's going to front the money to to make this? Like, what's going to make this stand out? Yeah. So I've gotten to the point where I cut off a lot of idea progression like that. I just won't go down that rabbit trail. Whereas before, if I was excited about it, it was going to get written and then see what happens. Gotcha. So now you're pretty much, you're more picky with your ideas that you come across. Yeah, my manager was talking about our our next ideas, and I am working on a really great uh, sitcom that I'm excited about, but mainly I've been pushing the two scripts and the the hour-long series I've got that are both, or all three are ready to go. So I've been being sort of my own... uh, Agent. Agent, in a way. Yeah, your own agent. Now, you don't have an agent yet, right? No, just management. Cool. It's a good thing to have. Well, it is. It's always nice. They say, you know, you get your first sale out of the way and you give your commission to your manager and then, you know, you can get that agent after and save, what, like, save yeah, a little bit. But. I've, it's similar, I've heard, with, you know, the comedian aspect is, like, the manager you want to keep throughout your entire career, but agents can come and go. You know, you might be with a different agency, but I'm with no agency, so who am I to say? <laughs> that would actually be a great name for a company, no agency. Agency? You know, an agency Just, in terms of, like, you know, haste or speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Somebody run with that idea. 
Um, <laughs> so let me see. What do you? How's your? Uh, I have how's your mud building, monster, man? and then is it samurai yeah. or Hawaiian? And it looks like a little tribal guy. Okay, tribal guy on a horse in a yeah. lifeboat on a. We'll say a little window, a window. little screen. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely got this little. Uh, Yours looks pretty good. I don't know what I got going on. You're very visual. I can. I can. Yeah, see. man. This is one of the fun things we were noting on last week, or when I did the last one that may or may not air. I had uh, my friend Mitchell on, and um, he was noting like, you know, it's hard to maintain the interview aspect of this while trying to be creative and For build. Sure. Yeah. That's the ch- that's gonna be the challenge among all of us. So now I'm gonna go to the littler, smaller pieces. Go for it, man. Yeah, start is, is laying it, down some it, stuff. Is littler? Is that littler? Is that it tinier? Tinier? Yeah. Is there smaller? More, smaller? The smaller pieces. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're both from Kentucky. You guys gotta excuse us at times. <laughs> man, um, let me see. So like. Let me ask you this. What's one thing you've changed your mind about in the last few years and why? Gay marriage. No, Gay I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, Boom. I don't know. Um, something I've changed my mind about in the last few years. This is a very, this can be very deep. This can it be could very, be. Very dumb. How about you? Can you start me off so I can kind of, you know. Man, I don't, I, I feel like realistically, if I, Corporate America. I don't know if that's the answer I, I want to give, dude, but <laughs> I, like I had a corporate gig before I came to L.A. You know, I graduated biology, was working as microbiologist. Yeah. And that, like, seeing that real corporate life, like the full-on Fortune 500 corporate gig, made me hate corporations so much. But, like, any day gig I have until I don't need gay, day get gay gigs. Until I don't need day gay gigs. gigs yet, so, is that a Freudian till, slip? Yeah. <laughs> what are you was, even doing man. at night? <laughs> until I don't need day gigs anymore. <laughs> that startup life, man. Like, I love that environment and culture. And I used to think, you know, startup wouldn't be for me, but I don't know. That's one thing I've changed my mind on. So, back to you. What's, what about you? What have you changed your mind on lately? Something I've changed my mind on lately would be... Within, like, the last few years. More open to... Things that I would kind of maybe have waved off before in terms of maybe, you know, spirituality or astrology and stuff. I will keep an open mind to and, and listen if someone wants to share that yeah it, you know you can't avoid it in la you can't it's out here it's out here man i've i've had some dinners that made me want to stand up and walk away from the table but their spiritual advisor at the time advised me to stay seated <laughs> <Did you know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah that that's you know coming from a very science background yeah, and a lot of the professors that we had, all the, the with doctorates, uh, several of them had faith, so and still do, and they, unless they've gone through some trouble. <laughs> Agreed. But yeah, so I mean, it's certainly not something that is not covered in science. But yeah, a lot of science is you know what's provable. Yeah, that's cool, man. You know, one thing I've wanted to, I feel like I've just noted from knowing you from pre. Moving out to LA, like sure. knowing you before, is um, what? How's your stance on uh, marijuana changed from being? Because I felt like you know, 
we we shared a lot of classes in undergrad, but like we never were hanging out a lot after classes or anything like that. We were in study sessions, but that's about as far as it went. But you know, out here in LA, we hang out numerous. You know, we get together, we grab lunch, and it's yeah. been different. And I when I knew you pre med or like or in college, you were um, I felt like you were not against. You were not for the weed. At oh, all. you, you yeah. thought I was a square? Uh, not a square. I just didn't think no. that was your cup of tea. But since being in LA, you've embraced it some. Not, not saying you've partaked, but you've embraced the culture around it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair to say. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a nice thing. I, I remember one of the massage therapists that I would go to for a long time. She was very religious, but she was she was a big believer in it. In Kentucky, yeah, and okay. certainly I know family members. Uh, that you know, mm-hmm. like the ganja or ganja. I think whatever. everyone has an uncle. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Cool. I think it's good. Nice. And hopefully, uh, you know, it'll put big farm out of business. You know? I think it will, man. It's going to shut down my old job. That was one thing I realized working in the pharmaceutical industry was that everything that was being produced, a lot of it could been replicated with marijuana. Yeah. On a different, you know, maybe not exactly, but for the most part, pain pills, a strong dose of indica, they're not that different. Well, the other thing, <laughs> at too, least for me. So, out here at MedMen and some of these places, uh, really good, helpful people. And you'll read about the strains of the different marijuana, and they'll all hit like the same f- notes for the first four points. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of like they throw in like a fifth point. It's like, Ringing in the ears or appetite. It's like, come on. Creativity. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. Yeah. They have like <laughs> all of it. It's, I don't know. It's kind of like. Great strain for riding scooters around the city with <laughs> 0.5. Yeah. Th- that's <laughs> not far away. I think they'll be putting that up next they week. They will. Yeah. Uh, best strains for uh, bird scooters. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, um, so with your writing process, is there anything that you do that's different from what you see your colleagues do? do differently or is there anything they do that you think is wrong and you do differently well a lot of people will do the um, heavy outlining i like to i like to make my first draft the outline like i like to just start writing when i'm inspired and when i see it in my head and see for a long time i thought this is how everybody did it but it's sort of i've come to realize that it's sort of a beautiful mind scenario where i'm not really like writing the scene sometimes you'll struggle with the dialogue but especially with action it just plays out for me so Mm -hmm. it's more like i'm transcribing the vision in my head and some people are like no for me i have to you know i have to think and guess where this is going to go and so forth and i don't have it that way so you free flow yeah type you're not sitting here going this is chapter one this has to be or this is chapter like you you worry about that later you're just getting thought to paper yeah and a lot of the outline happens up here so i get to kind of skip that step do you write every day Absolutely not, and a lot of people are shocked when they hear that. I was talking to uh, Hugh Jackman's wife, Deborah Lee Furness, who's an amazing uh, actress and really great. She does a lot of good work with adoption. We were talking about it, and she was sharing with me that she was writing. And she said, you know, they they tell me to write every day. And I said, I find you can edit every day. But in terms of writing, I like to to reserve that for when I really feel like I've got a, a bead on, on the topic or the character, when I'm really feeling inspired and fresh. That's when it's the best for me. Mm. Obviously, I don't have four deadlines right now, or that wouldn't be, uh, you know, 
an option that would be on the table. I would yeah. have to just, you know, pour through, pour through, and um, see what happens. Okay. You know, whatever you get, you get. You only yeah. have so many hours yeah, to do but it. You're but you're not getting up every morning and doing, like, morning pages or uh, no. pen-to-paper exercises and <laughs> just writing a, trying to make a short story. A lot of, of it has got to do with confidence, too. It's yeah. like being an athlete in a way. It, you know, when you're an actor, when you're a writer, when you're a director, like... It's why a lot of these personalities are volatile is because uh, you have to believe in what you're doing and almost be like arrogant or really uh, aggressive to get your vision out there. Not that I've never been that way and I'm not fortunate enough to have that clout, but you know, David O. Russell's done several great films and you look back on the I Heart Huckabee's explosion that he had, like there's something good that comes from that. Obviously if you could, you know, remove that from the equation. Yeah. It's better. Not for what? What was the I Heart? I Heart Huckabee. It was. A, oh, he went off on Lily Tomlin, and then mm. she started giving it back to him, and they were. Oh, okay. And yeah. This was like onset video. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Captured. Damn, that sucks. But then, yeah, if you just gotta, if he can bounce back from it. Sure, but yeah, I think that's important to have confidence because if you start being like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing, then when you lose that, you lose your voice, and you're just you're. <laughs> you're screwed as 100%. an 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same for stand-up, you know? When you're first starting out on open mics, you're you're terrified. But the audience doesn't know you're terrified. You walk up there with that face and fake it till you make it. You know, that's what they say, and I think that's applicable across a lot of areas, especially in the uh, industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you struggle with um, – I know one thing you liked. You're good with networking. That's yeah. a strength. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank because, you. I mean, some people would rather just stay in their bedroom and only go out when they need to. But um, do you do any, like, do you strategize behind your networking? Do you like to just get out and be out? Like, are you I just think a people person? Early on, you are more apt to be like, oh, here's this person. Maybe I can make a move here. Mm-hmm. And I think that, obviously, if you don't have an in, if you're not represented, if you feel like you can carry yourself well, maybe one out of 30 times that goes over in a way where they're like, okay, call my office. And then whether they meant it or not, or whether the office will get back, you know, that's another step. But yeah. the first step is just being like, I'm, I would entertain this, you know, mm-hmm. early on in my career, I would look to see if maybe that was an option, but mostly uh, I didn't have that where I wasn't in L.A. I was in Kentucky. So a lot of my stuff was cold calls, cold emails, just being polite, mm-hmm. talking about contest placement. So if you're a writer or a director, you want to you know, get your work out there and anything you can do to add credibility because these people get contacted all the time. And unfortunately, they get contacted by a lot of people that don't have talent and yeah. have delusions of grandeur. So it really gums up the pipeline for those voices that are un, you know, recognized at this time. Mm-hmm. So just do do contests, do whatever you can to sort of add accolades and then, you know, try and build relationships up. You know, if you if you read an article that somebody likes uh, horse racing and you're from Kentucky and you have a background there, then, you know, run with it. Yeah, run with it. And it's not it's not just pure manip- manipulation. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is an angle. And well, yeah, it is. But you can still be authentic. Yeah. You can try and put your best foot forward and still have like, you know. Hey man, I think you should give me a shot. I, I like that we have these common interests. I'm not gonna text you or email you every day. Just, right? You know, we just share this with you. We just want to share it and see. Yeah, and then somebody will give you a chance inevitably. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> that's the game plan. You know, and if yeah. not, 
you made some friends along the way, maybe. Yeah. Or enemies. <laughs> That's the thing in Hollywood, yeah. There, a lot of people do like to, to talk, but uh, fortunately, I've not run into very many bad people. I've run no. into a lot of nice people. Yeah, same. And the ones that are bad usually don't stick around. It's true. At least for my experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing with screenplay writing, um, there is this term, on spec. And that's where you do you have screenplays written and can you explain on spec? So that's when you write with the idea that one day you'll either get the thing optioned or sold or uh, all those plus getting it actually, you know, filmed and then released, whether it's in theaters or direct to video or whatever. So some famous specs are uh, Lethal Weapon, which uh, Shane Black, who was an actor in Predator, and he also wrote the first two and then he wrote and directed Iron Man 3, which... Uh, was better than two. None of them touched the first one, though. Oh, Iron yeah? Man 1 was so good. Um, his best work probably is Kiss <clears> Kiss <throat> Bang Bang. That Which was, what was? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It was. I don't know if I've seen that one. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, okay. Michelle Monaghan. It's a fantastic film, truly original. Uh, my friend scored it, John Ottman, who is, I just won the Eddie for editing Bohemian Rhapsody, and hopefully you'll win the Oscar. I'm pulling for you, John. You've, good luck, John. You've, you've worked very hard, and, and you know this was this was all you, you know, it was just John and the producer uh, after the director, you know, removal. Mm-hmm. Him and Post putting this thing together, and he had his space, and it allowed him to do something really amazing. So I'm very yeah. happy for John. Nice. But on spec, yes. So Lethal Weapon was a famous spec. Uh, Basic Instinct, I believe, sold for $5 million. It's just like a spec. that Basically, if you work for a studio or you get an assignment, they're like, hey, we want to hear your take on to- Toy Story 4, mm-hmm. or we want to hear your take on Spider-Man. And you go in there and you pitch your idea. So the pitch, I guess, is a little bit of a spec in a sense because you're not being paid to pitch. But if you pitch and they like you and they say, okay, you're going to do it, you get an assignment. So in Hollywood, you want assignment work. That's, you know, that's the for sure thing. The money's up front, then you deliver. Mm -hmm. If nobody's interested in you because you don't have your credits or whatever, then you write on spec. And then when you're done, you pass it around and see what production companies might like that genre, uh, it's about finding the marketplace. Gotcha. So there's no guarantee you'll ever see it get made or make a penny. Yeah. Have you ever done any like fan on specs, like written like a, I don't know, like a show, like an episode of a show that you're a fan of, or like a movie that like a, you know, sequel. Yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I wrote an X Men spinoff uh, with John after we did the song in Apocalypse. We started working on this idea for a spinoff that would center on Hank McCoy. And it had a nice uh, sort of, it was like John Carpenter's The Thing meets a uh, superhero movie. Mm. And it's really good. So I, there still might be life for it. I don't want to talk too much about gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah, Fox was pretty firm on where they saw the franchise for the next six or eight years. Nice. And then, of course, now Marvel's going to get it back. Yeah. So we'll see. I wrote it with an R. There was actually a, a little girl saw her brother get de- decapitated and the head rolls down the hill. And John looked at me he's like... I know Logan and Deadpool are out. He's like, but you can't have like a 15-year-old kid's head rolling down a hill. That's I'm not like, PG-13. I said, okay, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll make it something else. So in the scene, they're throwing this ball around, and the brother gets angry, and he throws it in the woods. And she says, I'm going to go tell Mom. He's like, oh, fine. So he marches off. So then we hear a scream, and the ball rolls down the hill, and it's a bloody volleyball. So mm. no decapitation, <laughs> still sort of a horrific thing. 
but yeah. That's a nice compromise. It was an artistic compromise. Yeah, it was. For the good of the children. Yeah. So speaking of artistic compromises. I love that we just talked about your Lego? I have this. I was going to say, man, like, I know piece. you look like you're struggling over here. I've built, I fucking, this I don't know what NASA? I've got going on here. You've got yeah. a canoe? Yeah. Just, I see you have creative blocks when it comes to Lego. <laughs> I <laughs> do. <laughs> Well, you're not giving me much to work with here, I have to say. What do you mean? This what do you here, this is some, this is riffraff, folks. This is riffraff, man. <laughs> riffraff. It, this is, you're only limited by your imagination oh, well, when looking at this bin of Legos. Very, Look at this starship base. We've got. are in very bad shape if I'm limited by the imagination. <laughs> man, there's so much to do here. <laughs> oh. So you're gonna have to watch this and see some other guests oh. come on, and you're gonna watch. <laughs> I'm gonna feel I'm very gonna bad. bring on some Lego aficionados who are just. This gonna one doesn't even fit for me. I just, yeah, I'll figure Man, it out. Man, you got to put it on right. You see, with Legos, um, the holes you want to put in the uh, <laughs> in the pegs. <laughs> the grooves go into yeah, <laughs> like that, sir. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm what gonna... what what was your childhood like? What was your go-to? Jesus. Bes- besides a microscope. <laughs> well, I had uh, I you had G.I. Joe's. I had a lot of Batman, a lot of X-Men figurines, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. I was really influenced by those 90s animated series, which is funny. So in December, my editor at Hollywood Reporter and I, we won a National Journalism Award for an article on X-Men, the animated series. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, congrats. Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Was, THR won the most of any outlet, and it was his first award, and I, I told him I was good luck. It was funny. He did... A, a really great job. He took point on a lot of the hard interviews. I got to do the talent. Yeah. And uh, but it was funny because we'd just done that with Batman. It was a really great article, and that was something that I'd push for. And then he said we could do X Men too. And you know, I didn't really jump on it immediately. And he's like, "Well, you know, I don't know that we have to." I said, "No, no, let's let's go ahead and do it." So like that was the push. So he, he credited me. He's like, "Yeah, you you pushed us through that." I was like, "Yeah, but you really killed it, man." <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was glad to interview Wolverine, and I talked to Beast and. Gambit and Jubilee. Did you? So, yeah, nice. it was fun. I, I love those people. And last night at the Annie Awards, uh, Andrea Romano, who's become a dear friend, she lives not too far from me in the valley, and we, we stopped at a couple little restaurants for some uh, some good Italian. Yeah. She got a, a really wonderful Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, and Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, Peaky and the Brain, those oh, actors. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they gave it to her, and they did a little shtick in the characters. That was did very they? cool. Little. But yeah, just to to meet all these Shout people, out to them. <laughs> meet these people that I you know loved as a kid, and to now see them as you colleagues, know, as colleagues, yeah. and yeah, and, you know we we're trying to get a show off off the ground that we've been working <clears throat> on together. Man, I had the same way when I first came here, going to like the comedy store or to some of these mics and seeing, uh, you know, the headliners doing the same open mics I'm doing, or just seeing like the Joe Rogan being like right next. In the hallway, you know, you've been to the comedy store. Oh, you, yeah. you know how it is. And, um, yeah, you quickly have to just get past that if you want to stay with us. <laughs> you can't be a fanboy. It's like, no, those are all colleagues. No, they never want that. No, Absolutely. no, of course not, no. Um, so let me ask you, do you have any systems? Uh, I feel like you're struggling over here with your Legos. Oh, I'm horrible, <laughs> but I'm answering your questions. So. Oh, 100%, man. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's not, this isn't a, f- <laughs> you suck at Lego building, interviews off. I'm out. <laughs> Just walk off. Um, do you have any systems in place for uh, your writing? I know you said you don't write daily, but no, you, not, I, I guess you've established your free flow. But. I'm a free flower. Um, yeah, and just really right now I'm all about getting these things into production, which has been uh, 
exciting uh, and really fulfilling to to talk directly with you know the producer and a game plan with her and um, some of the talent talking with them directly. It's been amazing. So many people I've made friends with through interviewing them. It's uh, I don't know if it's just the Kentucky in me or what, but I hit it off with a lot of people. Yeah. I'm, I'm very blessed that that you've uh, got a good elevator pitch in the back pocket. It's not even always. that so much. It's just like, hey, would you like to keep in touch? You know, and maybe at some point, I'm not just gonna say, here's a script that nobody's read. Uh, what do you think? Like, I want to. I don't come to them with that. It's like, authentic come in and Southern say, charm. That's yeah, you just <laughs> say, let's keep in touch, and then if I have something that has momentum, I'd love you know to have a conversation. Yes, yeah. that's, that's basically it. And then you get an EP attached. Like um, I'm working on something with the co-creator of Ozark, which is just a fabulous show. Yeah. Jason Bateman, he just won the SAG Award for that. So when you have you know a real name like that, and you have two episodes written that everyone has responded to, say, hey, everybody loves this. We've got this EP. We're talking to some directors. Would you want to look at it? And then just you know take it from there. Mm-hmm. So that's really that's fun. Yeah, it's been the last few weeks a lot of movement, uh, yeah. more than more than I've seen in a while. It's been exciting. So are you like are you doing a lot of the editing once the uh, idea becomes pen to paper? Are you doing a lot of post editing with them, or are you going here you go? Like, are you along? Like, do you stay with the script the whole entire way? Well, you can always just sell it and wash your hands of it. I mean, obviously, a script will get rewritten over and over again. I just finished a polish on uh, a sci-fi drama. But no, when your contract is written for the option or for the actual sale, you can have in your contract, I get one rewrite or I get two rewrites, so that way you stay on. Because the mm-hmm. goal is to be the only writer on the film, unless you came in as a, you know, a team or a package. Gotcha. So you don't want you know to be re- rewritten in the ninth hour. Yeah, that makes sense. You want to stay with it. So it yeah, it's all in. about how your contract's tailored. But of course, you can, you know, if some, I have a friend that, he just wrote something for a director who had some hits in the 90s, and then he's like, I just hope the director writes the, the next draft and I'm done with it. I'm just like, really? <laughs> it sounds like you're in the wrong business. Yeah, <laughs> if you're ready to just walk away from it. Are you looking for like a quick payout? I guess, or maybe, maybe creatively bankrupt. I don't know. I don't know what's... Both sound pretty terrible, yeah, so I don't I know. Would, yeah, pass on either. Um, let's see. I just uh, threw some shade, folks. <laughs> Byron coming at you. I just try and keep it... Keep it, you keep true. it real keep for it the real. listeners, man. I appreciate you being on here. Um, let me ask you. Um, I think I got one more question for you here. Uh, do you have any quote you live your life by, or you at least think about often? I'm big on quotes personally. I love when people rattle them off. I don't know that I. I create a lot of quotes myself in yeah, different states good. of uh, absurdity, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy that. But Are you allowed to quit create your own quote? Shouldn't someone else <laughs> decide that for you? Well, I'll say something. They're like, that's a Byronism or something. Oh, okay. I think that's the term. <laughs> that's the term? Yeah, it's like old, quaint Kentucky talk with like something you know extremely outlandish. <laughs> nice. This is a weird piece. This is like a baseball diamond. It's home plate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got a home plate here. Um, home plate is going to go on this guy's head. No, so what have like, you what have you come out with over a here? French general. Let's go, uh, so this me, is my homage to Obi Wan and Anakin in Episode Three. Okay, I've got the high ground, Anakin. <laughs> and then he's gonna flip and get his arms cut off. Nice. And this is that little robot that's floating around in the lava. And then <laughs> these are just uh, bridges. So that's Episode Three, right there, man. And then this this is my other masterpiece. This is I forget the crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> We've got dragon in the forest. 
And then this is like, uh, what's it called in the the old style rifles that they had the thing? Is it a baton? No, the the the, the a bayonet, a bayonet, a bayonet. Yeah. So this is <laughs> the the uh, the inflatable uh, rafts bayonet, with the tribal man and the horses in the raft, and we're gonna say that this is like a jet powered thing instead of a window. And All then right. This over so here is just uh, this is a, some sort of. Uh, <laughs> What do you think? A wall. A wall? Yeah. Is it Trump's wall? It's Trump's is it wall. Is it stage it's start, one? This is a stage one, and you already can, you go, can, already you can already crawl go under, under the yeah. wall. Yeah, there's, man. There's, there's already... Trenches, folks. That's the way of the future. <laughs> that trenches. costs $3 trillion to yeah. make right there. Ooh, At least, shame. man. Let's see. I've come out with this full-on uh, water world. I can't pick mine up because... It's too, uh, yeah, too you precious. Know, I, some of us have actually built Legos stuff over here. And you <laughs> know that it's... <laughs> got a little... Exploding the canoe's boat, not on there. If you're going to do it right, you need yeah. to like set the canoe in. I want to feel it. Locked. I don't think there it go. does. It snap in. It did a little. Oh, bit. there we go. Yeah, it's more for aesthetic. So, what do you think, man? Pilot episode. This is a, like it was fun. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, cool, man. Um, any plugs? Where can people find you? You Where, can like, find me at Byron S. Burton on Twitter and Instagram. And then I'm going to be doing a lot of conventions this year. I work with uh, Tony-winning actor John Glover, who is Lionel Luther on Smallville and nice. um, Gremlins 2. You've got Star Trek. You've got Batman and Robin. He voiced the Riddler for Andrea Romano, who won the Lifetime Achievement Award. She cast him along with Mark Hamill for The Joker and Kevin Conroy for Batman. It's an iconic, great series. But, yeah, so we're traveling continental U.S. and a couple dates in the U.K., so I'll be... Oh, that's exciting. Riding around with John. Yeah, it's a pleasure. He's a real treat of an actor, and he's got a play in New York in April that should be uh, outstanding. And then another uh, film project this year that'll be out. All right. Yeah. yeah so we'll Any uh, last words you want to leave the uh, this, listeners, this, viewers, too? This is why I don't like art projects. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on a confession. Okay. So a buddy of mine named Spencer... You might know him, I don't know. but So Spencer and I had an anatomy project mm-hmm. in, uh, I think, junior year of high school. And we had to build a, a face, or a skull, not a face. Jesus, we're talking Travolta, Nick Cage stuff now. Um, <laughs> face we had to build a skull. And you had to label each of the, you know, the parts and the bones and so forth. And it was just taking forever. And I'm not good with these, you know, malleable hand tasks, whatever you want to call them. So he was like, well, at least make some new colors for me. So I'm like, you know, like, so look like an idiot kid, you know, patting these two, rolling. And so he gets the colors and he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to quit. I'm like, but it's due tomorrow. We're in trouble. And he's like, well, I've got, I've still got to finish my English portfolio. I was like, what do you need? He's like, well, I've got my, you know, my whatever, the, the, like, paper where it's like on a topic. He said, so I need like a short story and a poem or two poems. I'm like, just, just stick with the skull, there, buddy. <laughs> so I wrote one poem that was like some sort of conservation nature thing. Yeah. And then I wrote one about a, a war veteran uh, <laughs> who was having flashbacks and he was haunted, and it was so good. Yeah. I'm like, you got better than you deserve here. So he got a great grade on it, and it ended up being like a piece he submitted for something and won got a like, national yeah, award for. Got, well, it was a pretty big award <laughs> off off the uh, <laughs> off my labor. I felt like uh, that character that uh, Cranston played in in that movie. <laughs> What what movie? Uh, he plays the the writer that um, was blackballed in Hollywood. Mm, no, no offhand. He actually served time in a prison in Ashland, Kentucky. I oh, believe nice. too. So the big question is, um, what grade did you get on your art project? 
did he I think get we you got an a? A? I think we got an A, yeah. Cool, he man. did a great job on nice. the skull. He was very good with his hands. Yeah. Byron doesn't get C's, people remember. I don't get C's. No, never never have I ever. All right, man. Um, the YouTube is going to be on the network, uh, Roots of Laughter. That's our comedy network where you can find the other podcasts. Hats off, gloves off. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram, Beam Jeremy. Anything else? No, it's been a pleasure. Cool. All right, guys. Until next time. See ya.